12 noon here on SFM 104 to 107. Indeed, this is your Monday edition of uh, Midday Live here on SFM 104 to 107. You've got me, Bongi Kuala, with you till 1 this afternoon. We go to the Pinetown Magistrates Court in Durban ahead of uh, the court appearance of the driver of the truck involved in a horrific accident last week, that accident claiming 22 lives. And also hundreds of NUMSA-affiliated petrol attendants and other employees embarking on a wage-related protest across the country. We bring an update on that particular story. But uh, before we do all that, here's the news at 12 with Otsile Sako. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Thanks, Pongi. Top stories. The Marikana Commission rejects lawyers' application and petrol attendance strike in full swing. Good afternoon. The Marikana Commission of Inquiry has rejected an application by the lawyers of the injured and arrested miners to halt the commission until they acquire funding to continue their participation at the commission. The Commission's chairperson, Judge Ian Farnham, ruled this morning that the absence of the miners at the Commission will not anyway be prejudiced, as argued by their lawyers. The South African Police Service's legal team also opposed the application, arguing that further delays would undermine public confidence in the Commission. The miners' legal representative, Andres Ngome, says it's unfair that the main people affected by the Marikana shootings are left out in the cold. We obviously are disappointed at the ruling. We had thought that the judge's these considerations would take into consideration the plight of the poor uh, arrested and injured miners. Clients obviously were not here today, and they understand that every day that the commission continues, uh, half a million of, the, of their money is being spent to run this commission. It's not fair. The so-called uh, victims of the massacre are not participating in it. Hundreds of NUMSA-affiliated petrol attendants and other employees have embarked on a wage-related protest march in Paro outside Cape Town. The workers are later expected to hand over a memorandum of demands to the retail motor industry organization. Sisanda Nguala reports. Those taking part in the march include petrol attendants as well as garage cashiers. They are wearing their red and black NUMSA t-shirts and are dancing and singing, demanding that the retail motor industry employers heed their demands. They want, among others, a minimum wage of 30 rand an hour, a ban on labor brokers and transport and shift allowances. The marchers say their protest action will go on indefinitely until their demands are met. Portchoker Road in Balbo has been partially cordoned off and police are maintaining a strong presence. Sisanda Nguala, SABC News, Balbo. NUMSA members in the Northern Cape have joined the nationwide strike in the motor industry. The workers are demanding double-digit salary increases in both the fuel and composite sector. The employees are only willing to offer 6.5 and 7% respectively. NUMSA's Provincial Secretary Andila Zito says 3,000 of their members throughout the province are participating in the strike. It's the first day we are still monitoring the strike. And uh, we have just now made sure that even where there are small areas where there was no response, the union is currently working on that. With comprising of TR, Kimbali, Appleton and Flybeck car to in terms of our demarcation, currently we can confirm that uh, 3,000 of our members in both sectors, they are out on strike. The Department of Environmental Affairs has granted urgent permission for the dumping of 10,000 tons of coal into the sea at Richards Bay in KwaZulu-Natal. Environmental Affairs spokesperson Zolile Ngai says this follows a request from the South African Maritime Safety Authorities and the salvage team of the MV Smart Vessel to urgently resolve the problem. Mercedes Besant reports. 
The vessel ran aground three weeks ago with 50,000 tons of coal which split into the ocean. Ngai says extensive consultation has taken place with various stakeholders before the urgent permission could be granted to release the remaining 10,000 tons of coal into the sea. It's really an emergency measure to ensure that the people of that area don't find themselves with a wreck full of coal stuck in that area for a number of years. He says it has been agreed that the coal will be recovered again by the owners of the vessel after it has been dumped into deep sea. The Johannesburg Metro police officer who was injured in a car crash at Hrasmea south of Johannesburg last night is in a critical but stable condition. The officer was trying to stop a speeding vehicle when the driver collided with three other cars, including the police officer's car. Metro police spokesperson Wayne Minard. The Metro Police officer who got injured yesterday is in a stable but still critical condition in the Mopag Hospital following an accident on the N1 near the Grassland Tollgate when a BMW car went out of control after being clocked at 243 kilometers per hour. The driver of the BMW was also injured and has already been charged for reckless and negligent driving as well as for the excessively high speed. He will be appearing in court shortly as soon as he is a threat to be able to appear in court. And finally, a former American basketball star has revealed the leader of North Korea has a baby daughter called Wei, shedding some light on the personal life of the Secretive Nation's first family. The information was given to the British newspaper The Guardian by Dennis Rodman, who's just returned from his second visit to North Korea where he met the country's leader Kim Jong-un. Here's the BBC's Lucy Williamson. Mr. Rodman told The Guardian that the North Korean leader was a good dad and had a beautiful family. He described holding Kim Jong-un's baby daughter and spent time talking to Mr. Kim's wife. There had been suggestions, including on Mr. Rodman's own Twitter account, that he would try to secure the release of an American citizen held in North Korea. But on his return, the basketball star angrily told reporters to direct their questions to the U.S. president. Recapping the top story, the Marikana Commission of Inquiry has rejected an application by the lawyers of the injured and arrested minors to halt the commission until they acquire funding to continue their participation at the commission. Back to the Midday Live team. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thanks, it's seven minutes past 12. Indeed, Midday Live in full swing right here on SAFM, 104 to 107. How was your weekend? We uh, welcome your SMSs on uh, 34701. Uh, also, we are available on Twitter. You can tweet us at Gualapi News, at uh, SAFM Midday Live. Otherwise, uh, emails also are expected. And, of course, uh, those uh, emails uh, can come through at uh, Midday Live at uh, sabc.co.za. Right. How was your weekend? Was it exciting? Bafana Bafana not going to Brazil after all. Uh, and uh, what now for Bafana Fana is what I'm asking this hour. And, uh, of course, uh, we, we expect your thoughts on that uh, particular issue. Uh, maybe uh, perhaps a good time for Bafana Bafana and uh, the whole of Safa really to regroup and uh, sort uh, this uh, mess out. Uh, it's uh, what uh, I'm asking this hour. What now for Bafana Bafana? And, of course, uh, hundreds of uh, NUMSA-affiliated petrol attendants and uh, other employees embarking on a wage-related protest march. Uh, this, uh, for now, happening in Barrow, uh, outside Cape Town, but also we'll be talking to our reporter here in Johannesburg, 
to get a sense uh, of uh, what is uh, going on there. That's uh, the story that uh, we'll be looking at. And of course, we go to the Pine Town Magistrates Court in Durban, where a large media contingent has gathered outside the court. This, of course, uh, at the uh, court appearance of uh, the driver of the truck involved in a horrific accident last weekend. And uh, of course, that weekend, uh, that uh, accident claiming the lives of uh, 22 uh, people then. Alright, uh, to our top story this hour, the Marikana Commission of Inquiry has rejected an application by the lawyers of uh, the injured and arrested minors to halt the commission until they acquire funding to continue their participation at the commission. The commission's chairperson, Judge Ian Fallam, ruled this morning that uh, the absence of uh, the minors at the commission will not in any way be prejudiced as argued by their lawyers let's uh, talk now on the line uh, to the spokesperson for the Marikana Commission of Inquiry Zepo Matlango. Mr. Matlango, good afternoon to you good afternoon to your listeners uh, alright so what does this mean then now the judge says let's move on well effectively it means that, that um, uh, those who actually launched application in the first place have uh, to exercise the option of pursuing the application in the High Court in respect of the, the funding that they are seeking, and that um, as and when that fund, whether that, that funding becomes available before or after the ruling, which might be possibly in their favor, they, they would then have an opportunity to come back and resume their participation in the commission. Mm. And, and uh, what about those then who put forward a, a, a suggestion or even an argument to say the Commission of Inquiry really is insensitive uh, to the plight of uh, the people who lost their lives and, uh, of course, those who were injured? Well, on the contrary, we, we have agenda, as you now know, uh, we have sacrificed a number of days already you know, um, allowing them to be able to can pursue the application that uh, they had lost in the first instance. So the view of the commission is that we are quite sensitive to the applied. Uh, obviously, we have consistently maintained our view that we would want to conduct a, a, a commission that is as inclusive as possible. And to that extent, we, we felt that this time around, uh, there would not there would not be any prejudice whatsoever mm. because they reserve a right to when they are back to then lodge an application or apply to the judge to say because we are not absent uh, for reasons that the commission the commission is aware of we would want to uh, request witness number X number Y and Z to reappear before the commission so we can conduct a our own version of a cross-examination situation. All right. So the, that would be allowed. The, the, uh, thanks for clarifying that. And the, the, the postponements now going forward, we're not going to be seeing uh, a lot of those. The Commission will continue full steam. And do you think that uh, really you need now to, to set yourselves a new uh, deadline or target to say it must be concluded by such and such a date and you are positive that that uh, deadline will be met? Well, absolutely, Polani. You would know that we currently have until the first of October to finish off. But I can tell you with confidence right now that uh, we will not meet that deadline as it were. We will work very hard 
to ensure that we, we push in full steam in that regard. But of course, of course, we we understand that the, the job that we are doing is quite important for the country and for the world as such. Um, and we we would be approaching, you know, the president of the republic uh, to ask for possibly the, the last, uh, you know, sort of postponement as it were. Mm. And uh, Mr. Masang, do you, do you really think that uh, the, the the public still have has uh, the uh, has uh, confidence in the, in the in the commission? Is it uh, in any way in any doubt really in your view the credibility of uh, this commission? Well, Colony, there cannot be any doubt from where we're sitting as a commission that um, this is a process that requires all South Africans uh, to support this process. Uh, the Maritana, as it were, was a dirty part of the country, of our history in the new democracy. And of course, nobody wants this, this sort of occasion to reappear again in the history of, of our democracy in the Republic. Okay. If, and that is the reason why we feel like we must all rally behind this process. It's not perfect. It was never meant to be perfect. But we are quite confident that we are doing the right things. And we thank you very much, Edse Pumasango. He is uh, the spokesperson for the Marikana Commission of inquiry. You've got me, Bongi Kuala, right here on uh, Midday Live till 1 this afternoon. And of course, uh, Tsepo keep, uh, keep, uh, keeps referring to Kolani there. Oh, he used to be here, but uh, he's since moved on. But uh, it doesn't matter anyway. It's at uh, 13 minutes past 12. This is the uh, Midday Live SFM 104 to 107. Let's talk now to our reporter, Molebo uh, Kheng The hundreds of uh, NUMS affiliated petrol attendants and other employees have embarked on a wage-related protest march in Paro outside Cape Town. The workers are later expected to hand over a memorandum of demands to the retail motor industry organization. Meanwhile, the march is also happening here in Johannesburg. And to get an update, uh, we joined on the line now, of course, uh, by our reporter. Uh, what can you tell us what is happening out there? Uh, Utsile Sako is telling us that uh, the march is in full swing. Uh, good afternoon, Bungie, and kindly bear with me if you can't hear me, as I am in the middle of a very heavy strike. It is safe to confirm that the numbers have increased from hundreds to actually thousands now. Uh, as we speak, Bungie, I am unable to get out of the, 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 the thousands of numbers that are here to actually be able to communicate what is going on here. So bear with me, Bungie. But uh, currently, um, the, mem- the members of the union have, and striking petrol attendants and other employees have been briefed and um, have been addressed by the, the leaders of NUMSA, um, Urban Jim as well, the Secretary of NUMSA, has also uh, just indicated where to where the strike will go. Um, he has indicated that the strike has officially started and it will be indefinite up until further notice, up until NUMSA decides that the strike is over. And, um, you know, strikers that participate in the strike seem to be agreeing with that they will strike indefinitely up until their demands are being made. Currently, Bongi, we, um, we, they are uh, moments away from handing over a memorandum which they have stable that is just about to happen shortly, Bongi. And, and where is this? This is all uh, happening in Johannesburg and Randburg, Bongi. Um, we, they have gathered um, at a central place where they would be able to get to the retail motor industry firm 
in Johannesburg, Randburg. I know it's a it's a, a large number of uh, different uh, workers from different sectors, but all in the in the retail motor industry. Uh, but uh, I, I guess uh, the, the one that will hit home immediately will be the the petrol attendants. And uh, for for someone who has not filled up up to this end, what can you say? That is true, Bunky. The petrol stations are the ones that have um, been hit the most. Um, earlier, um, an assessment of the different filling stations actually saw management pouring petrols themselves in the cars with um, uh, very little help, if any, or, um, you know, uh, uh, members who, who are not striking, who are perhaps um, still at the filling station, but it has been labeled all sorts of names. Um, for not um, uh, participating in the strike. And, um, you know, it is getting to a point where motorists need to urgently fill up as the strike is um, indefinite until further notice. Um, it, it would be wise to advise motorists to fill up urgently um, as, as and when they can, depending on what is happening at the, at the filling stations, Bongi, because right now um, only management is um, able to provide um, those services unless um, motorists themselves are pouring petrol into their own vehicles, Bongi. So, so these employees come from uh, a, a number of uh, different sectors. For instance, I see here there is the dealerships, there is the fitment uh, workshops, there is panel beaters, spare parts, Dealers and so on and so on. Is that what you're seeing there? That is true, Bunky. That is why um, the launch has intensified from hundreds to actually thousands right now. It is different sectors. We're talking cashiers, tellers, uh, petrol attendants, um, you know, as well as mechanics and so forth from you know the wider industry. Um, hence, the numbers are reflected today. And uh, their demands, Mulebukhen. Uh, you know, uh, Bunky, their demands are basically ranging from. Um, the schedules, the night shift schedules where, you know, in some cases they are demanding, you know, a 15% increase for, you know, night shift or day shift or, you know, a, a, a rescheduling of, 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 of timetables basically, um, uh, Bongi. And, um, you know, they've mentioned that this is something that, you know, year in and year out, they have been trying to speak to their employers and their union representatives to try and sort out up until it got to this point where they feel that they can no longer sustain their lives. They say they do realize that, you know, the economy of the country, of the country, is dependent on their industry, Bongi. So um, it would only be fair that they also reap the benefits of how much money they are making, for example, in the petrol industry. You know, petrol goes up, um, you know, constantly. And, um, you know, while the economy also um, improves, but they have said that their lives have not improved except for about five years. And, you know, all they've been doing is, you know, bring uh, promised things that um, have not been given to them. And right now, this was the only solution for them to uh, in such huge numbers to get their message across. Thank you very much, Molobacheng uh, Sabidi, our reporter, uh, updating us on the NUMSA-affiliated petrol attendants and other employees embarking on a wage report-related uh, uh, protest march. It's happening here in uh, Renberg. Also, it's happening in other parts of the country, in Cape Town also. Uh, we told about uh, this uh, strike. And, of course, uh, just uh, spare a thought for a petrol attendant, but also spare a, t- a thought for petrol service uh, uh, station owners. Uh, the margins are very, very thin there. So it's a volumes business. So if you don't sell if you don't sell really you're not going to make money and you're not going to be able to uh, pay your employees but uh, that's what is happening across the country at 19 minutes past 12.
Uh, top story this hour, NUMSA General Secretary Evan Jim has criticized workers who are not participating in the strike by, amongst others, petrol attendants. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,386.81 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,493.50 an ounce. The rand is trading at 9 rand 98 cents against the U.S. dollar, clawing its way back under that psychological figure of 10 rand. And at 15 rand 64 to the pound and at 13 rand 17 cents to the euro. The MEC for Economic Development and Tourism will be hosting the official launch for the KwaZulu Natal Tourism Master Plan on the Provincial Vision for Tourism Growth and Development. Join me, Robana Bird, broadcasting live on Tuesday, the 10th of September, 2013. This broadcast is brought to you by the KZN Department of Economic Development and Tourism in partnership with KZN Tourism. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Are you up to date with the world of property? For all things property, what are your rights as a property owner and or purchaser? Are you a tenant or the landlord and you need advice? What is the value of your investment in commercial property in South Africa? What matters are of importance in discussing land ownership? Trust us to simplify and help you understand the detail in all things property. Join me, Dineo Mulomo, every week on Tuesday morning on Morning Talk at 10.30. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Just a couple of SMSs coming through on that 34701. This one says, Bafana, Bafana couldn't improve in 12 years. What are the other African nations doing right that we couldn't with the best coaches? It comes from uh, uh, Roland there. This one says, unless uh, the Lord builds Bafana, Bafana, South Africans are laboring in vain. That's uh, Foster Mokoka uh, there. I don't know where Foster is writing from, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's your opinion there. Thank you very much. We go to KZN now. A large media media contingent has uh, gathered outside the Pine Town Magistrates Court in Durban ahead of ahead of uh, the court appearance uh, of uh, the truck driver of uh, that truck involved in a horrific accident last week. The 23-year-old was arrested last week after the accident, which claimed the lives of uh, 22 people. This apparently after the truck's brakes failed and the driver lost control of the vehicle and ran into four taxis and a car. I earlier spoke to our reporter Dries Liebenberg and began by asking him uh, to paint us a picture of uh, what is happening in court today. A large group of journalists from uh, newspapers, newspaper photographers, radio stations and TV stations have been gathered at the Pine Town Court since early this morning. At the moment, the courtroom is packed with people. The 23-year-old Swazi driver is due to be brought in within the next couple of minutes, but it's uncertain at this stage whether any of the family members of the 22 victims have come to court this morning. And Dris, uh, just uh, explain to us the mood really uh, at, uh, at the Pintown Magistrates Court. There's, uh, we, we saw over the weekend some statements suggesting that there is anger, but also we saw some statements uh, over the weekend suggesting that there is uh, really a somber feeling across the air. It is a rather somber mood. People are quiet, their faces are passive. They are basically just looking at what is happening, what is unfolding here at court. 
And uh, the the 23-year-old is expected to do what? Just appear and then be, be remanded, or is he applying for bail? What, what is going on? The police previously said that they expected a remand. He has got a private lawyer. We will have to wait and see what is going to happen, but I do think that he will be in front of the magistrate only briefly. I'm looking at the security setup uh, at the courthouse. Just talk us through that. There is a number of police officers here, but... It does not look as if safety measures have been stepped up. And uh, the accident scene, what has since happened there? The, the, the traffic lights, I saw traffic lights were also smashed. Has that been uh, sorted out? But also, have you seen uh, family members going to maybe pay their, their respects and rituals where the accident happened? The traffic lights, um, obviously, that will take uh, some time to, uh, to fix and replace. The scene itself, uh, the road surface, that has been cleared by Friday by street sweepers. They did the last of the clearing up. Uh, Friday afternoon, uh, there were two um, wreaths of flowers. And uh, that's uh, Dries Liebenberg in uh, Durban. It's uh, 25 minutes past uh, 12. Kenya's uh, Deputy President uh, William Ruto's case at uh, The Hague starts uh, on Tuesday. He will be in The Hague for five consecutive weeks uh, where he will answer to charges of uh, crime against humanity. Ruto's uh, uh, case uh, will closely be followed by that of uh, Kenya's uh, President uh, Mr. Kenyatta, uh, which starts in November. We will uh, speak to residents in one of uh, the areas uh, hit uh, by the violence there. But our reporter in Nairobi spoke to Njonjo Mue, a human rights lawyer based in Nairobi, Kenya. How would you react to the decision by the Kenyan parliament last week to call an emergency session to discuss the withdrawal of the country from the Rome Statute and ultimately the ICC? I think the decision is uh, unfortunate from the point of view of uh, the search for justice for victims of post-election violence. But Kenya has a reformed judiciary now, and so the country has the capacity to try the cases here at home. Well, well it is true that there has been some level of um, judicial reform. We should not forget that the judiciary is not the be-all and end-all in the search for accountability. In our system, which is a common law system, uh, judges sit in court and wait for cases to be brought before them. These cases must be properly investigated by the police and then they must be prosecuted by uh, the director of uh, public prosecutions. If the two, the police and the director of public prosecutions, do not do their job, we can have the best judiciary in the world, headed by the best person in the world, but there will be nothing coming out of it because there is no political will to prosecute. Kenya has the backing of the African Union, which has termed the court as racist and targeting Africa. Do you agree with the African Union? I do not agree. First of all, um, to accuse the ICC of being racist because um, all the cases currently uh, in the court are from Africa is to be dishonest because we need to break this down. The cases that are, the countries that are currently facing cases in the ICC are um, Kenya, Uganda, the DRC, the Central African Republic, uh, the Republic of Mali, and uh, Sudan and Libya. Out of those cases, Uganda, uh, the DRC, and the Central African Republic, and Cote d'Ivoire, and Mali have all been referred to the ICC by those, the governments of those countries themselves. Um, in the case of uh, Libya and uh, Sudan, those cases have been referred to the United Nations 
by the United Nations Security Council according to the Rome Statute. Kenya is even an, an even more special country because we must remind ourselves that it is the AU that uh, appointed uh, Kofi Annan and his team uh, who uh, set in motion, the process that is set in motion after the post-election violence is the one that led us uh, to the ICC. So it is the AU that indirectly referred the Kenyan cases to the ICC. And so for the same AU to go back and say this is uh, a European court and it is racist, it is uh, uh, being economical with the truth. Having a sitting president being tried at an international court is a first. How would you describe Uhuru's challenge? Uh, to be honest with you, that should not be a Kenyan problem. That is his personal problem. And if, 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 if at any point he or the deputy president feel they are not able to discharge their first obligation, which is to the people of Kenya, due to their personal problems at the Hague, they should step down and let somebody else carry on the work of governing this country. What is the likelihood of these cases tearing the country apart? The bigger cost to think about is the cost that this country will pay, the price that this country would pay if we go on with the culture of people being allowed to uh, uh, do whatever they like, to shed innocent blood uh, in search for power and nothing being done because uh, impunity ultimately cost the country its very soul. So even though William Ruto and Huru Kenyatta are innocent until proved guilty, it is in the long-term interests of Kenya that this process is seen through to the logical conclusion, where there is an, either an acquittal or a, a, a conviction by a court of law. Because if we stop it halfway, uh, for reasons under the, other than lawful reasons, then this country will have sent a message to its own citizens that whenever you feel aggrieved or whenever you want something that somebody else has and you can't get it in a rightful way, you pick up a machete and chop off their head. And that will cost this country its very fabric in the end. And uh, that was uh, John Jomu, a human rights lawyer in Kenya, speaking to our correspondent there in Nairobi, Sarah Kimani. It's uh, almost half past, but uh, enough time for me to fit this uh, one uh, SMS coming from uh, Obed. Uh, it's saying that uh, Gordon as a coach done uh, very well, played four games, won three and lost one. Safa must keep him for the future. Thank you very much for that SMS. And of course, I'll be reading tweets coming through at Kuala B News. For now, it's 12.30. Time for Utsidasako with the news headlines. Thanks, Pong. In the headlines, NUMSA General Secretary Arvin Jim has criticized workers who are not participating in the strike by, amongst others, petrol attendants. Hundreds of NUMSA members have gathered in Randburg to be addressed by union leaders. The Marikana Commission of Inquiry has rejected an application by the lawyers of the injured and arrested minors to halt the commission until they acquire funding to continue their participation at the commission. And Western Cape Social Development Minister Albert Fritz and the Chinese Consul General have handed out 200 blankets to residents of the Sevendalan informal settlement at Stanfontein ahead of an approaching cold front. Details at 1. Thanks, Cecilia. We'll see you then. And uh, let's say good afternoon to the lovely Shadow Twala. Coming up between 1 and 2 this afternoon, what you got for us? Hello, Bongi. We look at the top 40 under 40 um, achievers in the Nelson, Bay, Nelson Mandela Bay area. And these are supposedly the future faces of business in South Africa. And then afterwards, after the news headlines, we're joined by the legendary Abigail Gubega about her role in the inaugural Craig Hall Primary School Choir Festival. That's the show. 
Look forward to it, uh, of course, uh, happening between 1 and 2 right here on SFM 104 to 107. And uh, Tabo, if you can just uh, please uh, resend uh, your, your SMS, uh, I would like to engage with it. Uh, you're saying that uh, we must get rid of uh, the, the petrol attendance and we must uh, fill up ourselves like they do in Europe. I think that's what you're saying. If you can just send it again, I really appreciate that. Uh, there are many other SMSs coming through uh, on uh, 34701 and tweets, of course, at Guanapi News at uh, 28 minutes to 1 right here on Midday Live SFM 104-107. Some ANC National Executive Committee members have over the past weekend joined both the party's provincial and local leadership on electioneering campaigns in Tlaokwe municipality at Pochestrom in the northwest. This uh, as uh, the municipality is preparing to hold a by-election next week, next Wednesday. The ANC leadership joined uh, by some members of uh, the national parliament and MECs conducted door-to-door uh, campaign in all the contested nine wards. Daikai Tsiwa reports. The electioneering campaign by the ANC in Tokwe started by the party's leaders attending different church services in Ikahen Township. They were urging and mobilizing people in churches to vote for the ANC. The party's candidates were also introduced to the congregants. ANC-NEC member Njimotseka attended the Catholic church service at Ward 11. Here as part of the ANC deployment to come and support the province in the forthcoming local government elections. No, we are actually, we are getting invitations, even those that we have not initiated. In the morning I went to the Catholic church by their invitation to get uh, they wanted me to come and speak, first as a Catholic, to come and speak to their congregation about what the ANC is. When we say an ANC is a broad church, what is, what is it that we say it's a broad church? And they requested us to introduce them to our candidates that are going to be standing on behalf of the ANC. After the church services, leaders joined in conducting door-to-door. Bikers were seen hoisting ANC flags driving down various wards of Ikahen Township. ANC Provincial Chairperson Supra Mahuma Pelum, who was at Ward 4, says the campaign went well. The African National Congress is to do door-to-door work and is going very, very well. The overwhelming majority of people are saying they are happy that the leadership of the ANC is here. It's working with them to make sure that uh, on the 18th of September they vote for the African National Congress and they are saying they are going to vote for the ANC and they want the ANC to return back to power because the DA got the mayorship by default. Some of the residents from affected wards have raised mixed feelings regarding the by-election in the area. We see government officials during election time. They don't consider our challenges, especially we as elderly people. No, ANC is doing its part. I'm happy to see them doing door-to-door. We love this organization. It's doing its part. But these councillors are not doing their part. This is the only challenge. Next week's by-elections are contested by five parties, ANC, Azapo, DA, UCDP, and PAC. So far, only two independent candidates have been registered to contest the by-elections. Dal Khaitsewi, reporting for SABC News, Porsche's Room. 25 minutes to one. Uh, just a couple of tweets coming through at Gualapi News. This one, of course, uh, from uh, Debza Mashecho, uh, an avid listener here, saying that uh, Gualapi News, I had a great weekend and the SAFA needs to restructure because uh, they've been wasting our taxpayers' money. 
with uh, any without any fruitful results to show for it all right and luvo mfogam lobeli at l sponono saying that at kuala b news let's allow igerson to continue with bafana bafana these guys have failed us dismally let them do as they wish we are running out of ideas and one sms also asking was the funerals of syria gas victims on tv and not too sure about that it's unsigned that sms all right let's go now to the eastern cape where lectures at walter sisulu university will resume tomorrow of course this after a seven week long strike by the university's staff that saw classes being cancelled the university has come up with a new academic calendar that will see the september vacation cancelled and saturday classes introduced to catch up with lost time authorities are of the view that these measures will save the new semester let's talk now to our reporter lubabalo dada lubabalo good afternoon good afternoon to you and the listeners as well all right talk us through the situation now at the walter sisulu university are students back are they really uh, raring to go um, at the moment, yes, we have seen some students coming in um, and also the workers as well. Um, currently, yeah, the students are in a meeting now. They are going to be briefed by the SRC as to what is going to happen with the uh, new academic calendar. And also, and the workers as well are also having uh, a separate meeting as well. will also be briefed about um, the changes that will uh, take place at the moment. Uh, but uh, the, the students, are they, are they back in full force or are they coming in in trips and traps? Um, so far, well, we've, we've seen very few students coming students coming in. Um, I think we can expect more coming um, from others uh, from tomorrow. Others are communicating with the SRC via SMSs and, uh, and the social networks uh, yeah. about the status of the, of the uh, institution. I, I was going to ask that. Uh, how is the institution communicating with, uh, with uh, the students who had to go back home, some uh, to far, far areas, uh, Western Cape, Gauteng, and so on? Um, I was told by the SRC that um, the, the, the management um, consulted with um, with the learners' representatives, and then also um, the SRC as well, and they communicated with some of the learners as well. So there were also some emails that were circulated to inform them about the, the, the situation. And how is the mood at the institution as the students uh, come back? Um, the students are really looking forward um, to this term of um, the third term because they say they, they've lost a lot of time and then now they're willing to, to make all those sacrifices for the sake of getting their diploma. Some were very concerned that this will have a negative impact on them, especially those who are doing their, their final years. They are willing to, they say they are willing to do anything for as long as they are going to, um, to get their diplomas at the end of the day. And uh, Lubavala, just talk us through this catch-up program. Um, the the catch-up program means that um, there they won't be any. There will be Saturday classes, and also the, the September VEC uh, will be compromised as well. And also, they will be continuing up until uh, mid-December. Uh, it seems as if uh, some of the workers then are not very pleased with that. They want to know if they will be compensated about that because that it is, it is going to be their time that is going to be sacrificed. So they are, they are still discussing those issues now at the moment, and the contract has not yet been signed until those issues are clear. And uh, the official word from uh, the, the institution? Um, the institution has, uh, has informed us yesterday that um, everything will, st- well, will start normally as from tomorrow. So today they are expecting some of the workers to come and the others will, will be here tomorrow and then as from tomorrow then the lectures and will, will start. 
All right, uh, we thank you very much, uh, Lubabalo Data, our reporter in the Eastern Cape. Further afield, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad says there is no evidence that his government has used chemical weapons and has also suggested his allies would uh, retaliate if the West attacked. Meanwhile, U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry has been lobbying hard for military action against uh, Mr. Assad and uh, was uh, joined by his uh, U.K. counterpart uh, William Hague at a press briefing in London following their meeting on the Syrian crisis. Let me be clear. The United States of America, President Obama, myself, others, are in full agreement that the end of the conflict in Syria requires a political solution. There is no military solution. And we have no illusions about that. But a resolution to this has to come about because the parties are prepared to come and negotiate that political solution. And if one party believes that he can rub out countless numbers of his own citizens with impunity using chemicals that have been banned for nearly 100 years because of what Europe learned in World War I, if he can do that with impunity, he will never come to a negotiating table. UK Foreign Secretary William Hague said that the two were working together to save lives, revive peace talks and press for a strong response to the use of chemical weapons by the Assad government. We've discussed all aspects of the crisis in Syria. The position of the United Kingdom following our parliamentary vote ten days ago is well known and the government, as you know, in the government we fully respect the decision made by the House of Commons. But our objectives and efforts between the UK and the US remain closely aligned in four areas in particular. First, working to create the conditions for a Geneva II peace process that can lead to a transitional government in Syria. Secondly, addressing the desperate humanitarian situation. Third, supporting the moderate Syrian opposition and saving lives on the ground. And fourth, mustering a strong international response to the use of chemical weapons. Our government supports the objective of ensuring there can be no impunity for the first use of chemical warfare in the 21st century. The UK Foreign Secretary William Hague. And here's a beautiful story coming out of uh, KZN. The future king of England, Prince George, could find himself sitting pretty in Tambuti. This after the announcement from internationally acclaimed Tambuti wood manufacturer Kuba Idev Singh that he would be hand carving the gift of a throne fit for a king. Singh revealed that uh, he has uh, decided to build a chair for Prince William's son as an early Christmas present. Singh is noted for manufacturing various furniture from uh, the rare Tambuti wood founded on the banks of Tugela River in Stenga, today known as Guatukuza, after the infamous 1929 Pambata Rebellion. Our reporter Hussein Ibrahim finds out more. Seventy-two-year-old Kuber Singh took over his father's business in 1961 and has created unique pieces for kings, queens, politicians and personalities worldwide. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are expected to receive the gift over the next few weeks. We caught up with Tambuti Singh as he's known to find out more about his latest creation. This is going to be a chair of his kind. It will be a chair when one day George, the royal lad, he is going to be king in Buckingham Palace. 
and I have sent out articles throughout the world. Uh, it is made out of a very special wood called Tambuti wood, was discovered by my father, Mr. Idev Singh, during the Second World War. And these trees are indigenous to only this part of the world and found nowhere else. Trees are about 1,500 years old, 2,000 years old. I feel I am making this chair that he will use it for the next 10 years. Inspired by his father's discovery of Tambuti and his love of the craft, Singh became South Africa's sole Tambuti manufacturer, supplying the world. It's a gift to me, has been handed over to me by my father, and I feel very proud to manufacture furniture from Tambuti wood. I remember the day when I told him I want to become an attorney. He says, no, you're not the man for it. A teacher, not the man for it. He says, I will make you a world-famous figure if you just follow me. I carried on and I carried on, and today I have carved a name in the British royal family in America, White House, homes of kings, and today every one of them are coming to me. Singh explained the drive behind his passion five decades into the job. I know many people have asked me, why do you do it? I said, not that I know why do I do it. It's a call, it's natural. A message comes to me to tell me, listen, a certain thing has to be done. And I start working on that. And for this baby, I'm really proud to make an article because her, the baby's mum and dad were also presented with a handcrafted table for as a wedding gift. Now not only is the Tambuti wood rare, but it also has a special significance in South African history, a symbol of strength to the lives lost to the Bombata Rebellion. In 1956, my father was out on the banks of the Tugela River and uh, he happened to chop a few Tambuti trees. He happened to bring one of them and while he was sawing it into timber, he heard a crushing sound. He split the log into half with an axe and he found there was a military bullet there. At that time, the historian said, that this particular bullet has entered the tree during the Bombata Rebellion in 1906. Now in 1906 was the Bombata Rebellion and ammunitions were used then and when somebody hid behind this tree, the bullet was embedded in the tree. So anyhow, my dad preserved the planks and this particular chair that I'm making for the royal lad and he's going to protect the baby. The baby, the lad will see one day sitting as a king next to this chair. Assisting her husband with his mammoth task of creating a gift for royalty is Singh's wife, Anita. We are very proud to send this little article for this little baby. And we are proud to see our article being in that Buckingham Palace. And I wish and hope that he enjoys sitting on this chair and may his life go strength to strength. When I questioned the things about the delivery of the chair, they smiled jovially and said it will be ready in time for Christmas.
Wonderful story that too. I want my own tambuti chair too. Uh, I'll ask Mr. Singh there to hand carve one for me. And uh, somebody in, in Guatuguza, if you know of uh, this uh, tambuti wood, uh, it, it, it's fit for the king, I'm told. Uh, just let us know what it looks like. And uh, of course, uh, we will mention your name. Thank you very much, uh, Hussein Ibrahim, for that wonderful package. We go now to uh, the lunchtime market updates and we say good afternoon to Mpo More of uh, Sasfin Securities. Mpo how are we trading after a stronger close in the east uh, this morning? Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. Uh, market is trading flat uh, with three shares, the only notable gainers uh, despite the slightly firmer rent. Markets are also a touch weaker in Europe where the foot is down 0.38%, takes down 0.1%, and the cake foot is 0.41% lower. Back to the JC, we've got the gold index up 1.94%, resource index up 0.7%, Industrial index down 0.37%, financial index down 0.8%. The overall market is down only 65 points, or 0.08% to 42,762 points. And uh, corporate news, I see some results coming out of AVI and Sasol. Uh, firstly, AVI released their full result, uh, diluted uh, headline earnings per share from continuing operations, was up uh, 7% to 326.5 cents as against the 305.2 cents previously. Revenue from continuing operations was up 11% to 9.2 billion rands. Uh, final gross dividend of 170 cents per share was declared. AVI is currently trading 0.74% lower at 56 rands and 33 cents. Sasso also released a full year result, uh, headline earnings per share. We're up uh, 25% to 52 rands and 62 cents, as against uh, 42 rands and 28 cents previously. A final gross dividend of uh, 13 rands and 30 cents per share was declared. Sasol is currently trading half a percent higher at uh, 491 rands and 94 cents. And uh, any big movers today? Uh, on the upside, uh, mainly dominated by miners, we've got Harmony Gold up 4.3% to 40 rands and 68 cents. Woolworths up 4% to 72 rands and 78 cents. Impala Platinum up 2.8% to 121 rands and 5 cents. Omnia up 2.6% to 193 rands and 91 cents. Anglo Platts uh, up 2% to 418 rands and 10 cents. And uh, Anglo Gold Ashanti also up 2% to 141 rands and 10 cents. On the downside, mainly dominated uh, by bankers, uh, we've got Bartlett's Group Africa down two and three quarters of a percent to 138 rands and 81 cents. That's after going ex-dividend at 369 cents per share. Standard Bank also down two and three quarters of a percent to 112 rands and 75 cents. Also ex-dividend at 233 cents per share. We've got Ilova Sugar down 2.7 percent to 31 rands and 56 cents. African Bank down 2.6 percent to 15 rands and 85 cents. And lastly, NetBank down 2.5% to 194 rands and 50 cents, also going ex-dividend 3 rands and 90 cents per share. And uh, your latest market indicators? The gold price is currently quoted at uh, $1,386.80 an ounce, platinum $1,492.35 fine ounce, brand crude $112.21 per barrel, the government R157 selling a yield of 6.21%, and now to our currencies, the rent to the dollar is at 9 rands and 97 cents. The rent to the euro is at 13 rands and 17 cents. The rent to the pound is at 15 rands and 65 cents. Back to you, Bongi. 
Thank you very much to Mpo More of Sasfin Securities. Uh, just uh, one SMS they say, I say, Gordon must pack his bags and go. He didn't deliver us to Brazil. The country must get a coach abroad, period. That's Andela in East London. <laughs> Asked for it, and now it's here. FAFM proudly presents the best of the African Connections Richard Mwamba, the dance edition. Dance yourself silly in this compilation of the best dance numbers of the African Connections Richard Mwamba, now available at reputable CD outlets. You're listening to SAFM. Remember to catch Shop Shop Children's Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 minutes to 2. Keep it Shop Shop. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Farita, Tao, Dona, and I see your tweets. I see if I can't fit them in. Right now, but uh, let's talk to Dr. David uh, Mabunda. Uh, he is uh, the CEO of uh, the South African National Parks. Well, today marks the start of uh, the South African National Parks Week, and uh, Sand Parks is giving free passes uh, to all day visitors uh, at any of the national parks across the country. Sand Parks Week was launched in 2006 to address uh, concerns that uh, the majority of South African citizens are unable to access national parks. Dr. Mabunda, are we as South Africans unable to access national parks or is it uh, because we don't know uh, about uh, our country and uh, what it has to offer? Yes, uh, the history of exclusion that we've come from since 1948 and even prior, uh, up to 1994, uh, people, especially black people or African people in our country, did not have access to national parks. Uh, it's only now that we are opening the parks for all so that they can experience their natural heritage. Mm. And, and uh, the, the Sand Park Weeks, or rather week, the South African National Parks Week, what is it all about, just to create that awareness and uh, to market the parks? Uh, not just awareness, but we want to create pride and uh, ownership amongst all citizens. And, and ensure that uh, parks are accessible and they must also learn what this means to them. You know, the roar of a lion in Kruger, the view on Table Mountain, the thunder melon in the Halakhadi, and of course the trumpet of the Ado elephant. All these things should evoke meaningful patriotism in us and uh, appreciation of what we have. Not many countries have the kind of... Uh, uh, abundant wildlife that we have, they can only see these things on television and in books, and we are lucky we can see them live. Mm. And uh, evoking goosebumps already, just the mention of it. But very briefly, Dr. Mabunda, just talk us through now the Sand Park Weeks. What is going to happen? We see free passes all day and so on in any park across the country. Any parks across the country, rock up with your South African ID. Uh, children uh, who don't have IDs, we can only believe their parents and allow them in free of charge. 
Of course, this excludes uh, overnight accommodation and other activities that people might be paying for, like trails. But okay. uh, we just want people to come in and learn and enjoy themselves uh, for the rest of the week. It's a week-long campaign, so we hope to talk to you more uh, later. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. David Mabunda. He is the CEO of the South African National Parks. Time now for Create Shortly with uh, Michelle Constant. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. I've always seen myself owning a game lot when I retire. There's nothing more rewarding than waking up to a family of wartons grazing in their front lawn every morning. Old Mutual made it possible for me to learn how a real game lodge works for a few days, to let me experience my dream retirement, 40 years before it happens. I'm glad I started saving for it at 23. We all have dreams. The only way of making them real is by planning. Call 0860 606060 or contact your Old Mutual financial advisor or your broker to get advice on your retirement plan. Let us join you through every stage of your life journey from today. Do great things. Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider.